Um, if you would join me in turning to Luke chapter 14, verses 12 through 24. He said also to the one who had invited him, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors in case they may invite you in return and you would be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame and the blind and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. One of the dinner guests on hearing this said to him, Blessed is anyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then Jesus said to him, Someone gave a great dinner and invited many. At the time for the dinner, he sent his slave to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is ready now. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of land, and I must go out and see it. Please accept my regrets. Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I am going to try them out. Please accept my regrets. Another said, I have just been married, and therefore I cannot come. So the slave returned and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and said to his slave, Go out at once into the streets and lanes of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And the slave said, Sir, what you have ordered has been done, and there is still room. And then the master said to the slave, Go out into the roads and lanes and compel people to come in so that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those who were invited will taste my dinner. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. When reading this parable, it is important to understand who is around the table, what is being said in the cultural norms at the time, to be able to see where Jesus is flipping the narrative. The men who are sitting around the table with Jesus are Pharisees. Pharisees were religious leaders who held on tightly to the laws of the Old Testament and the strict observance of them. You can think of them as a, it's always been done this way, and this is how it will stay, people. In this chapter of Luke, the Pharisees are observing Sabbath, which came with rules of what can and cannot be done. Jesus, as we have seen many times before, challenges these rules by acting in ways that leave the Pharisees speechless and with some self-evaluation to do. And that is where we find this parable in Luke 14. To give us some insight of how we arrived at this one conversation, I will give us a plot of what happened just before this text. Jesus is on his way to the house of the leader of a group of Pharisees, and before he has even made it there, he notices a man in need of healing. I imagine Jesus walking, and as he approaches this man, he looks him in the eyes, notices he is in need of healing, and then turns to the Pharisees that are standing around and asks them, is he allowed to heal this man? The Pharisees who are there do not respond, and I picture them standing around, arms crossed, looking at each other to see if anyone is going to speak up. And before anyone does, Jesus goes on to heal the man, sends him on his way, and turns back to the Pharisees and asks, if it was their ox or their child, would they not do the same? And it leaves them speechless. Jesus then arrives at the house, and the scene shifts to the dining area. I imagine that the Pharisees rushed in, wanting to get the best seat, and as Jesus walks in behind the rest of them, he notices how those who are gathered there chose to sit in places of honor. And as he takes his seat, he goes on to tell them that those who exalt themselves or decide to sit in places of honor pridefully will be humbled. And those who humble themselves first will be exalted. I imagine all those who are at the table are now shifting around in their seats, beginning to question themselves as they look around to see where other people are seated. So far in this meal, no one else has spoken. 
They are listening and observing, and Jesus continues on in his teaching. The parable we are focusing on today picks up in verse 12, when Jesus turns to the one who invited him and tells him, when you give a lunch on or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors in case they may invite you in return, and you would be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. It's important to note that during this time, dinner banquets and those who you invited to them was a way of showing and securing your social status. If you wanted to move up the social chain, one way to do that was to have a dinner party and invite over those who had a higher status than you and to honor them. For people during this time, it was a habit to do this. And when they were making their guest list, it was common to only think of those who were within their inner circle which would be their friends, their family, and their neighbors. When Jesus says not to invite your inner circle, he's not saying to never invite those people over, but rather to not get in the habit of only inviting them, which is very typical of this time. People did this for many reasons, and Jesus alludes to them by saying that having people over should not be so that you can be repaid or that you would also be invited in return. In many ways, we can relate to this also. Think of childhood birthdays. If you have helped in making the invitation list, you often think back to who has invited you or your child first so that you can be sure to put them down on the guest list. Even if you know that this child is wild and will likely end up doing something that causes a headache later on. Why? Well, it's a nice thing to do. And in some ways, we feel obligated to it. Jesus is asking us to look at our motivation in our hospitality. Jesus, knowing our hearts and looking beyond social status and obligations, knows that warped motivation like this is not the way to blessing. Jesus tells us that instead of consistently inviting people who are just like us out of obligation, security, or comfort, we should instead invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. He is saying that we should look outside of our circles. This is also taught in Matthew 25 in another parable that says, When I was hungry, you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. It then goes on to say, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. Jesus is inviting us to look beyond the labels and to see the people who are around us not just as people who are different than us, but as image bearers and as reflections of Jesus himself. He is asking us to pay attention and to not just let what we notice be a boundary between us and them, but rather as a place where we can encounter one another and welcome each other into a sacred invitation to understand God better by first understanding one another. Jesus tells us in Matthew to encounter the stranger and to love them. And in Luke, he tells us to invite them into our homes, to gather around a table, and remember how we were also once strangers who have been welcomed in. This act of remembering when we were strangers ourselves compels us to the practice of holy hospitality. Growing up, my mom loved to host people over at our house. She would decorate, pull tables together, cook enough food to feed anyone who came, and she made sure that each person was greeted by her. She worked hard to make sure that everyone was seen and known and hopefully happy and full. By watching her welcome people like family, I learned that it is not the food you serve or the decorations you have or how good of a host you are that makes your hospitality holy. 
What makes it holy is being able to see the person who is standing right in front of you as just that, a person. I think what Jesus is getting at in Matthew and in Luke is to see people around you and to welcome all of who they are into your presence because they too can show you God. In verse 15, the silence of the dinner guest is broken. Someone from around the table exclaims, Blessed is anyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. I imagine that this went over in one of two ways. It either went over like a wedding toast, with cups raised, people smiling and agreeing with assurance of how good it would be to eat bread in the kingdom of God, or this one voice and exclamation of the expected goodness was left hanging in the air. As much as I like to imagine the first scenario where toasts are given and the table erupts in jittery agreement, I think that it likely went down much more like the second scenario, with his words left hanging in the air. After seeing Jesus heal a man on Sabbath, hearing him urge the Pharisees into humility, and catching a glimpse into what the kingdom of God was to look like, this man was confident of the goodness of Jesus. Yet Pharisees were not fond of Jesus because he challenged them, and he introduced a new way of living and pursuing God. He pushed open boundaries, and for this Pharisee to declare an agreement with Jesus that anyone would be blessed in the kingdom of God would have been surprising. The Pharisees felt that the kingdom of God was assured for them and those who agreed with them. But this remark, along with the teachings of Jesus, flips the narrative and ushers in an unprecedented invitation of blessing to all. After this, Jesus turns to this man and in verse 16 begins to tell a story about a great dinner by saying, Someone gave a great dinner and invited many. At the time for the dinner, he sent his slave to they, say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is ready now. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of land, and I must go out and see it. Please accept my regrets. Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I am going to try them out. Please accept my regrets. Another said, I have just been married, and therefore I cannot come. So the slave returned and reported this to his master. During this time when you invited someone to a dinner party, you would first invite them not knowing when the actual day would be. Then when everything was ready, you would send someone out to tell all of your guests that the party was ready now. This style of invitation certainly would not go over well these days. Imagine getting an invitation to something and after asking when it's going to be, you are told it will happen when everything is ready and I will send someone to tell you. I can already imagine all the remarks about how valuable our time is and that we have other things planned for and the details of how our weekly schedule will be playing out, all accumulating to a resounding, no, I will not be in attendance of this dinner party, no matter how good it is. For us, it is because our culture just does not work that way. We are planners with agendas full and we like to have set dates and times for things. But for society, during this time, it was normal. Remember how I said the quick way to improve your social status was by inviting honorable people over? Well, a quick way to tank it was for them to not show up. And that is exactly what happened here. The dinner guests who had all been invited have now been told that everything is ready. And mind you, the dinner party that is being held is no small run-of-the-mill get-together. It's a party, a banquet, a feast. It required a lot of preparation. And now the house is clean, the table is set, the smell of food is lingering around in the air, and the host is ready to welcome everyone in. So when the servant comes back to relay the message that no one could come because they had land to tend to, ox to try out, and a new marriage to enjoy, it says in verse 21 that the owner of the house became angry. 
The word angry, though, is better translated as disappointed, and who could blame him? He was disappointed that some of his closest friends, those he wanted to honor, and other guests could not come because they had chosen other things. I can imagine him looking around at all that he'd prepared and wondering why they did not hold out for him and why other things were of more importance. Up until this point, though, it is probably not unheard of for the Pharisees. This was a common practice of invitation, and they are people. Things come up. Things happen. But the host does not let this be the end of the night. Jesus continues on by saying that the host told his slave, Go out at once into the streets and lanes of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. This already is off base for normal cultural practices. It was normal for people to not show up, but it was countercultural to invite in the stranger to a feast prepared for those closest to you. But the slave went out and invited the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame inside to this dinner feast. Once they were all there, it is noted that there was more room. So the host sent his slave back out saying, go out into the roads and lanes and compel people to come in so that my house may be filled. This is now the third invitation to the dinner party. In the last invitation, the slave is told to compel people to come in or to convince them. Those who are now being invited to this dinner party are likely wondering why they are being invited. And if you've ever been invited somewhere that you felt like you just didn't belong to, you wonder why you of all people are being asked to be there. But for the host, his reason was not to be paid back or to put them down, but so that his house and his table would be full. Tables are important in families, and throughout scripture, the image and metaphor of dining at the table is important. In the Old Testament, a table was set in the tabernacle where the bread of the present sat as a reminder that God provides. In the Psalms, God prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies and within our own wilderness. In Isaiah, the coming kingdom of God is described as a feast of all of the best food and wine we could want for. In the Gospels, Jesus shares meals around tables with sinners and outcasts, just as he does with his disciples. Before his death, Jesus does not take his disciples to a place of worship to teach about what happens after he dies, but rather invites them to the table to share in a meal together. The table and those who gather around it reflects the kingdom of God. Once at the dinner table, I am sure that this room is now bursting with energy. The house is now full, and people from all different walks of life are seated around this table. This parable is meant to be a reflection of God and the kingdom. It is God who is the host of the dinner, and Jesus who is inviting everyone in. We have all been invited to this dinner party, and it is ready for us to come and feast. Some of us turned down the invitation at first, some of us were pulled in off the street, and some of us had to be convinced that we did, in fact, belong here at the table of God. But what this means for us is that although we have been invited to the table, we are called to mimic the life of Christ by inviting others in and extending hospitality to them because God desires for his house to be full. Rachel Held Evans, in her book, Searching for Sunday, talks about this passage just briefly and says, This is what God's kingdom is like. A bunch of outcasts and oddballs gathered at a table, not because they are rich or worthy or good, but because they are hungry, because they said yes. And there is always room for more. I imagine that when the host in the parable sat down to eat with those who are now gathered around his table, he looked around knowing that the outcasts and oddballs there reflected the kingdom of God better than his original guest list. 
He could have cleaned everything up and tried again, reinviting all those who turned him down for other things, but instead he opened his door and his table to those around him who were not so captivated by the superficial, and he got a glimpse into the kingdom of God. God's invitation is more inclusive than many of us think. I hope that when we arrive at the great feast, that we arrive at a gloriously wide table with lots of chairs, and when we sit down, there is all the best food we could want for. And I hope that sitting at that table are people we don't expect, the oddballs, the outcast, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, those who humbled themselves to serve others, and those who said yes to loving stranger and neighbor alike. I hope that our surprise turns to celebration at the depth of the loving redemption of our Father. That is what the kingdom of God is all about. And it is possible to experience that now if we also open our hearts, minds, doors, and tables to others who are not just like us. If we are willing to pull up chairs to welcome others in so that they feel included and loved, we can partake in the dinner party that is already here for us right now. To do this, we mostly just have to pay attention. And you don't always need a table to show holy hospitality. When we invite others in, when we look out for the stranger, the hungry, the wounded, the poor, lame and blind, Jesus tells us that we are doing this to him. Sometimes the closest we will get to the presence of God is when we encounter another person and notice them and invite them into our lives. By looking outside of our normal guest list, Jesus says that we will be blessed at the resurrection of the righteous. We will be blessed at the great dinner to come, but we will also be blessed because it is in moments of encounter where we take notice of someone that we also see God. Barbara Brown Taylor says that this encounters like this, that we become more fully human, more alive to the presence of God around us and within us. It is not always around dinner tables, although that is a good place to start. Sometimes it is in the grocery stores you check out, or at lunch on the lawn, or talking to those who sit one pew down from you. Seeking and finding the presence of God can be as simple as extending an invitation to someone who is just not like you. So my challenge for you this week is to simply encounter someone, whether that is around a table full of people who are not in your close circle, or at the grocery store, or when you're picking up coffee. Look someone in the eyes, knowing that they too are invited to the table, in fact, they may have the seat right next to you. And that for that moment in time, you have encountered God. This week, think about who is already around the table with you and who needs to be welcomed in to come and have a seat. Maybe you yourself need to be reminded that you are welcomed here at the table of God also. So this week, I hope that we all know that we are welcomed here because it is Christ who invites us here.